Hey everybody, how's it going? What's up? My name is Kevin. Welcome to the Excused Podcast, where today, everything we're going to be talking about is hashtag excused. Excuse my beauty. Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. This is Kevin. Today is Sunday, February the 5th. I almost said the 4th. Sometimes I feel like it is the 4th, like I'm living in the past and the present at the same time. I don't know if you guys ever feel like that sometimes, but today is definitely one of those days. Anyway, um, (laughs) so I just want to say thank you first and foremost for coming on over and giving my podcast a listen. This is the first episode of my podcast journey, and I am hoping there's going to be many more in the future. Um, So yeah, welcome to the very beginning. So I guess I just kind of wanted to say... First of all, that with this piece here, I wanted to open up a podcast and kind of do something a little bit different than um, what I kind of normally see as far as social media presence for the Native American community. Um, We are very much here (laughs) and uh, we very much have um, a lot to say, so sometimes sometimes I feel like the underrepresentation in our culture kind of gives us an almost silent type of presence. So there's a lot of, you know, unknown factors that don't really give us a voice. You know, it might be resources, it might be location, time constraint, what have you, but there's a lot of things. So I kind of wanted to give ourselves a voice. Um, I don't know if there's any other type of Native American podcast that covers the types of content that I want to go over and discuss under my channel. Um, So really, it's anything from pop culture to culture in general, uh, the LGBT community and being part of that community myself. That's probably something I'm going to cover and really anything and everything that I feel like I should probably discuss on the channel. Um, But going back to the beginning, I'm from the reservation and I grew up on the reservation. So my background lies there in those roots and making it to the city and creating myself a home has been quite a journey. And I feel like there's a lot of that going on because it's a little bit more difficult to secure a good paying job, housing, residence and support your family on the reservation. So many of us leave, you know, a lot of the millennials and the upcoming you know, uh, Zoomers. So everyone who's, you know, trying to make it on the reservation, it's very hard. So a lot of our struggles lie in building our own community outside the reservation with our own network of friends. And then of course, reconnecting and going back to the reservation when we need to, which is a great opportunity for me to segue back to the beginning and give my account and my experience of growing up on the reservation. So taking it back to the beginning, um, there's a lot of things in Native American community that are taboo. And if you've been on the reservation long enough, even if you're not Native American, you know what I mean when I say taboo. And it's things that we don't talk about. It's that type of (laughs) mentality. Um, And some of those things are really heavy subjects and things that are very uncomfortable to talk about. um, And so they just don't get talked about. So, you know, for for example, you know, sex, homosexuality, domestic violence, those types of really heavy, heavy subjects, like I said before, 
we've kind of been conditioned to not really talk about those things. So when we grow up, it's more subconscious for us to just push it aside and just leave the things that are uncomfortable to talk about. So when we get older, it's a little bit harder to recognize those things because we've been, you know, habitually creating these types of situations in our brain to avoid. And one of them could be culture shock. And for me, it definitely was. Um, I didn't know what culture shock was when I first started in school. When I first left the reservation, I did not know what culture shock was. No one explained it to me. No one prepared me for, you know, this is what you may feel like. Let me know if, you know, this is bothering you. You may see this. It wasn't there. Um, And it's kind of really sad because, and I'm not throwing a pity party for myself or anybody, but what it really lies in with is tradition, right? So we learn from our elders, you know, don't talk about this, don't do that. You know, some of it just might be too painful. People have their reasons. And a lot of that, you know, the older generation going to boarding school, going to, you know, um, Christian, uh, Catholic, Mormon schools, they're all taught to, you know, strip your identity. You learn a certain God, you learn a certain language, you learn this and that. And I don't want to get too political into it and start a debate. But basically, you know, certain values get passed down, you know, certain subjects don't get covered. You know, it's not like they, your parents don't mean to go out of their way to not educate you. It just doesn't happen. So when I went away to, you know, the white man's world off the reservation no one talked to me about it. So when I started experiencing certain things, um, it, it came as a surprise. I thought I was prepared. I thought I was, you know, doing just fine. But really, it's subconsciously that these things are at work and, you know, they start to come out later on in life. Um, and one of those things, you know, would maybe be anxiety. What are the people thinking of me? What are they you know, how are they looking at me differently in class? You know, I'm not the same skin color. There's 90% of the class here that are whiter and lighter than me. I have different color eyes and I'm here. I'm darker skin. I've got brown eyes. I've got dark hair. You know, I don't have the same background, same familiarities that, you know, the rest of the people in here do. Um, how am I going to compete with that? How am I going to get my scholastic and academic achievements addressed you know there's a lot of that going on um so with my struggle it was more internal and i kind of used what i saw and copied what i saw and i think that's kind of how a lot of us deal with things that we're not familiar with we we kind of watch and see how it's done and then we jump in we start going with the flow and basically sink or swim at that point so growing up on the reservation um what was that like? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Um, growing up on the reservation, I spoke Navajo fluently when I was a child. Before I even went to school, um, I began learning English later on, you know, of course, in reading and writing and that sort. And then I've nearly lost the language. That's how acclimated I had to become and how much assimilation had to happen before I really kind of had to grab myself and be like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, um, kind of a self-realization that happened. But the reservation, I herded sheep for my grandma and my grandpa. Um, weekends were spent waking up early in the freezing cold weather. Um, 
my stepdad would start a fire from scratch. We had a wood stove. My mom would start peeling potatoes for breakfast. And the cooking stove on that end of the house was a wood stove as well. Uh, we lived in a one-room hogan where we placed our beds on a side of the wall of the hogan. And it wouldn't be uncommon for somebody's head to be at the foot of my feet or someone else's feet to be at the end of my head. Um, we were pretty much laid out. So it was a six-sided hexagon. If you don't know what that is, it's a hogan. And normally the door faces east in Navajo culture. This particular hogan didn't have the door facing east because it had a little addition to it. The door, the main door of the Hogan faced east, but it had a little tiny addition to it where the door faced south. But we had an old wood stove. Uh, Mom would cook on it. Stepdad would start a fire. Um, I had to feed the turkeys. My grandma had lots of livestock. That's where my affinity and love for animals came was from very young, from a very young age. So I had to feed the turkeys, the pigeons. Yes, she had pigeons. I don't know why. Don't ask me, but they have really tiny eggs and they're kind of cool to look at. They make a really, really calm cooing sound. But yep, she had pigeons. She had chickens, a rooster. She had many dogs. She had, you know, horses, sheep, goats, rabbits. Um, I remember collecting uh at my grandma's summer camp she she lived in the mountains during the summer because the air conditioning wasn't a thing you know um so she lived higher in in the elevation to keep cooler and when i would follow her during the summer you know i would stay with her and do the same thing there feed the sheep herd the sheep but i also collected some of my grandma's chicken eggs and i fell in love with the color of the brown chicken eggs there were some really cool ones too, kind of strange ones. They were like spackled blue, um, polka dot kind of colored ones. Really interesting. Anyway, she had chicken eggs I had to collect. Um, both her, the camp house, excuse me, the campsite house in the mountains had an outhouse. Uh, when she lived the rest of the time, you know, in the lower elevation, she had an outhouse and my mom who didn't live too far away had an outhouse as well so if you needed to use the restroom there was no indoor plumbing you'd have to walk out in the middle of the night if you were getting up because you need to use the restroom walk clear across the property <laughs> hopefully you wouldn't fall in the bushes and then use the restroom with no electricity around you'd have to take a lamp or a flashlight or something and it'd be freezing cold yeah, imagine that. That was the background of growing up on the reservation. We had electricity, thank God, but, you know, there was maybe one, two lamps inside the house. Um, so very humble beginnings, very, very humble beginnings. I remember we had to haul water because there was no indoor plumbing. And the water we had to haul had to be put into water barrels and transported from a local well. And the well was about maybe 10 miles away. Um, and when we had the water, it was sitting on top of a wooden platform that my grandpa built. And there were all metal water barrels. And they had to be siphoned out with with a hose. In this case, it was a metal hose. And, you know, four or five-year-old little me and my brothers would be carrying these heavy 
well, I felt like they were the heaviest thing in the world. Now they're not too bad. It would be a five gallon water bucket and you would take it inside the house. And that's the water we used for everything. Cleaning, cooking, drinking, washing dishes, bathing, um, no indoor plumbing, but yeah, we would bathe with the, with the small amount of water we had and uh, we would take sponge baths. And what is a sponge bath? It's exactly how it sounds. So you would put some water inside a kettle, warm it up with the wood stove till it was boiling, add it inside the makeshift plastic bathtub, add cold water to it, kind of balance it out just enough so that way when you sit in it, it covers all the areas you want to get clean, your face, your neck, whatever. Um, when we use washcloths for that, but yeah, we would do that. And then one year, my stepdad got a sun shower. I don't know where he got it from, maybe a camping store, I don't know. But it only held like two and a half gallons of water, and you would hang it on the shower. He made this like a um, makeshift shower outside with plywood, scraps of wood, and you would hang the bag on, let the sun warm it up, and then use the nozzle as a shower to let the water the gravity pull down the water on on your head but you'd have to make it quick because you're not going to have very much time to get all the soap out so we had to make it work we were poor we were poor we had little to nothing but we had a lot of love um for each other so that's where the humble beginning really 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 hits home for me and it's something where I look back now, I wouldn't have recognized it as a humble beginning. I knew we were poor, but I didn't know the humble part to it, you know? So if you would have asked me back then, you know, do you consider yourself humble? I would have been like, no, I considered myself poor. Uh, I would be embarrassed. But now it doesn't bother me as much as it did experiencing it and growing up from the background. And it's made me really appreciate where I took the direction of things that happened in my life and where I want to go um, and where I still want to go. So <clears throat> I'm very, very thankful and fortunate that I did have that experience. Um, but I remember having friends who had running water, who had indoor plumbing, they had vehicles, not just one, vehicles with an S. You know, dad had a truck, Mom had a car or a minivan. You know, they had more money. They had newer clothes. They had brand name clothes and shoes. Um, and I didn't have any of those things. You know, mom couldn't afford them. Stepdad couldn't afford them. But once I started realizing that there was a lot of things I didn't have, I started to pull myself in and become a little bit more introverted in school. I, I would stop speaking up. I didn't want to get called out. I didn't want to get made fun of. I didn't want to be bullied. I didn't want any of these things that had to do with what I didn't have because I knew what I had. I was rich in my heart with love, but I was too young to recognize it. And I think a lot of people are like that. So that really, really humbled me even to this day. Um, but of course, at home, I allowed myself to really be myself around my brothers and sisters um, and have the time of my life. Uh, we hardly had anything, you know, maybe a TV, a VHS, but as far as video games, we didn't have any of that. We'd go to my cousin's house who had it, you know, to play games. And that'd be once in a blue moon, maybe once a year, who knows? Um, but I remember my stepfather made a basketball goal 
out of an old plywood and a used crate, a milk crate. He would um he would cut the bottom of the milk crate out to make a goal for the basketball basketball goal. And we would have some really, really good, good, good tournaments. <laughs> Imagine that. It was a lot of fun. Um, he was pretty handy. One one day, God rest his soul, one day he made a merry-go-round out of rims, nails, and a piece of metal. And then the next day he made a teeter-totter. And we had the time of our lives. I got some pretty good scars and bruises, but it was nothing that... I guess we couldn't handle. <laughs> we definitely were outdoor kids. Very outdoorsy all the time, outside, in the dirt all the time. We had play clothes that were torn and tattered, and then we had school clothes, which was not very many, but we would keep it nice and clean and and take it off as soon as we got home. Otherwise, we'd get in trouble from mom. We would hear, take off your school clothes. And you'd better take off your school clothes, because if mama came over with the belt... At that point, it's too late. It's between you and God at that point. Hanny. That's my best RuPaul impression. Hanny. Um, but yeah, one for school, one for home. One time when I was on the bus, and this was in kindergarten, and it's such a crazy, crazy memory, thinking of it right now, actually, when I was on the bus, and there's only one other person I told this story to, and it was my friend, my best friend. And I told her fairly recent, I think within the last year. I think it's just one of those things I've buried and I just didn't want to think about because I was too ashamed. But I remember on the bus one time in kindergarten, I was riding the bus and I fell asleep because I was so exhausted. You know, small little kid, completely exhausted after the whole day's events and I missed my bus stop and so you know the bus driver had to drive back the next you know at the end of his shift and take me back again and then the very next day the same thing happened I fell asleep so he was at my bus stop the second time the next day and I was still asleep so he reaches over and I don't know where he had this from but he had a tin can and it kind of looks like those tin cans you get like the Folgers coffee in the old style ones the not the skinnier quart ones but the bigger size ones like the 32 ounce ones I don't know I'm just guesstimating but it was a tin can and he reaches from the back of his seat and he grabs it and picks it up and then he hurls it at me and it hits me right on top of the head at that point I hear a you know boom and and I, I can hear it to this day, that sound hitting my skull. And I wake up dazed, and it didn't hurt at that point because I was still asleep. So I wake up and I look around, and he says, Hey, it's your bus stop. So I look around, and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I, I kind of feel my head throbbing, and I, I look down, and there's a big tin can. I grab my bag. There's nobody else in the bus, just me. So I walk into the aisle, and I get down off the bus, and I walk home and I think god what did I do like what was so wrong like why did I have to get a tin can thrown on my head and I never told my mom I should have but I didn't because I was so ashamed I thought maybe she was going to go to school and 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 yell at the principal or the bus driver or something I just didn't want any confrontation at all 
And I just kind of buried that somewhere in the back of my memory. But that was school. Um, Very, very different era than it is nowadays. I did tell my mom one of the things that the school teachers did. And it was a time when I was in second grade. We were doing math and I couldn't figure out the math problem. So the teacher kept calling on me and I couldn't get it out. So when it was time for us to give our answers to the teacher and walk up and give our, 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 our homework to the teacher, I had my hand out and she got upset and she had her, I had my hand on the desk kind of flayed out like flat, kind of like I was doing a high five, but my hand was on the table and she had this pencil with her and she was getting irritated at, at my answers and she kept asking me questions. I kept giving her the answer, but it was wrong. And then she slams her pen down with the pencil head into the desk. But she doesn't look at where she's pointing it. And it hits me on the web of my hand where my pointy finger and my thumb meet. That little web skin piece right there. Well, it hits my hand and I kind of scream. And she's still yelling at the point upset. And I got like a little tiny scar from it. And I told my mom she came in and yelled at the principal and at, at the teacher, and then at that point there, I was just like, this is kind of different experience than I thought it was going to be, but at, I kind of, I, I forgave her, I forgave the bus driver, and it, it's good to let go of those types of things, but, you know, certain things that you, you, you remember as an adult, it takes you back in an instant, right then and there, you can hear what the tin can sounds like you can feel the pencil driving into your the wedge of your finger and it's a lot of these hidden buried memories that can take you back right away and and make you feel how you felt then um <clears throat> so that was that was growing up on the reservation a lot of fun a lot of outside playtime in the dirt um a lot of introversy in school so there there was there was some good memories in school I have to say you know I'm I'm calling out the extreme ones because they're so vivid in my mind but there was a lot of good good times on on the reservation for school and then comes adulthood right you have to move away you have to get a job you have to figure out how you're going to feed yourself you figure out what bills are who's going to pay them you know not mom mom's not going to pay them Mom's over here dealing with her her issues, you know. She's got her house to pay, her 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 car, her maintenance, her upkeep on them. She's got things to do, so it's up to you. So, you know, getting my first job, it really meant putting away my thoughts, my ideas, and my grab, excuse me, my background to the side to help somebody else find what they're looking for. You know, what is a trellis? I don't know. We didn't have those things growing up. What is a particle board? What is a male-female coupling? Where can I find this at? What aisle is it on? How much is it? When do you get in the next shipment? There are so many questions that come along with, you know, doing a regular job. And it's like, why do I not know about these things? I mean, I applied for the job, right? I wanted it. I needed to pay my bills. But how, how do I find my flow? So, 
fast forward quite a few years later, um, and here I am enjoying my cup of coffee, sitting here quietly, enjoying my weekend, sitting in my own home, and and really taking it all in and being like, wow, it was quite a journey to get here. There was a lot of struggle with making it to this point. And if you're on the same journey, looking to do better for yourself, keep going. I implore you. I wholeheartedly support you. I encourage you. I love you. Whoever you are listening, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. You never know really what the path entails or what you have to do. You just got to go through it. Then when you look back in retrospect, you're like, why did I do that? How did I survive that? How did I get through that? I don't know, but I'm glad I did. So hopefully this will help somebody out there who's listening to keep going, keep pushing, and help those who might need a little bit of motivation. But stay tuned because next week I'm going to be talking about life in the city and the next episode, episode two. So be sure to come on back and add it to your playlist so that way we can continue the journey together. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good day. Excuse Podcast is an all original program. Any similarities in story outside of the podcast is purely coincidental. No portion of the content has been intentionally reproduced and all of views and opinions are that of the content creator and owner.